Health Naturally. Dennis Stewart is here. The man, the myth, the legend, the guy that you, you want to be like, but you can't. Good afternoon, sir. <laughs> Hello, comrade. <laughs> None of that socialist talk here, Dennis. Uh, look, today, uh, we'll come back in a couple of minutes, and you'll be uh, using, uh, like we'll be in the art gallery, you're going to use the word renaissance today. Renaissance. Yeah. We'll be talking about, or starting to talk about, the herbal renaissance. And I'm uh, stimulated to talk about that, Mark, because... Prior to coming on the radio today, a, a long-standing friend of mine from the Atherton rang me, and he was one of my first uh, students and graduates, a uh, lifelong friend, and he was part of an early cohort, if you like, of the Herbal Renaissance. You've kind of been responsible for initiating this Herbal Renaissance right across the country and indeed uh, establishing a stu- serious teaching of herbal medicine mm. in Australia. Mm. Um, can you tell us a little bit about this renaissance? Oh, look, it's a fascinating topic. And in fact, it was the American uh, herbalist, if you like, and um, book writer, Stephen Foster, who actually came to uh, Australia years ago. He coined the term, the herbal renaissance, to explain uh, that phenomenon that happened um, as an extension, if you like, of a lot of the fairly dramatic change that took place in Western countries around the time of the Vietnam War and just after the Vietnam War. It was a time of change, let's be honest. It was indeed. It was a time of change. It's a a, a great phrase you've used because uh, my dear wife and myself love the the singing of Simon and Garfunkel. And (laughs) we we watched the other night one of their uh, later concerts and uh, they spoke of that. It was a time of change. Mm-hmm. Beautiful song. I love their singing. Well, it was a time of change, and it saw a lot of social change, and one of those was a changing attitude towards different systems of medicine. Up until that time, uh, the use of herbs and things like that was not that popular. It was frowned upon, in fact, by the medical establishment, but like so many established ideas of that era, things changed, and uh, out of that came a flowering again of interest that's always been there historically, but this was a flowering of, in, uh, of influence, uh, interest again, what, what we called the Renaissance, a, re, a review, a revival, a recurrence of interest in traditional medicine, and it's gone on from there. Was it, uh, if we could sort of pinpoint mm. that time of change for a yeah. second, Dennis, yeah. do you think it was a case of, which we see a lot of times, uh-huh. it's it's not here to begin with, it's not something we understand, it's a little bit, you know what, ooh, that's something they do on the other side of the world, but that's, mm. that's not for us. Yeah. Look, there's that in it, um, but uh, I think Australia, like many Western countries, has undergone incredible social change, different attitudes, a lot of the class structure that dominated certain professions has now been largely destroyed, despite the uh, the resistance of members of, of that class. And, and medicine, I know this is a radical thing to say, but medicine, in my opinion, up until... Uh, you know, after the after the Vietnam War and the social change that occurred, in my opinion, was very very class based. You had to go to the right schools, go to the right university, and graduate into the right profession. Now that that sort of thing is gone, gone, and I hope gone for good. And so, what was once upon a time looked upon as a bit left field, uh, things like uh, homeopathic medicine, uh, herbal medicine, osteopathy, chiropractic. All these things now are part and parcel 
of a, a broadened system of medicine, not in any way at all criticising or putting down mainstream medicine, for goodness sake, uh, that's missing the point. What we're saying is the monopoly that perhaps one system of medicine had in the West has changed and the flavour of medicine has changed. We still need the mainstream, particularly for acute management, for surgical procedures, but in many of the conditions that people in the West suffer from today, chronic, civilizational, social diseases, frequently in some of the alternative or complementary systems, uh, benefit can be found which is not always found in the mainstream. And I don't think that's in any way at all a criticism of the mainstream. They're working their bum off, keeping, uh, keeping the up, to, up to speed, if you like, with the demands of, of day-to-day practice. What complementary medicine does, if you like, is address different conditions uh, with, with different strategies. And in many cases, those strategies and those differences do a great work, hence the existence. Look, complementary medicine, herbal medicine, wouldn't be still being accessed if it wasn't useful, if if it wasn't helping people. It has a history that goes back, for goodness sake, uh, longer than any other system of medicine. And the Renaissance, remember, just brought back into focus that which has always been there but has been overlooked for a couple of centuries. Yeah, hence the term complementary medicine, uh, the, the, the adding to. And I have to say, when we uh, started this topic of Renaissance today, I, I kind of envisaged we were starting in the, in the classical art world. We ended up, uh, you know, peace, science, power of the people, take it to the streets, Nothing Dennis. the matter with that either. They were the days. They were the days. <laughs> so some say they've never gone away. Just changed teams a little. G'day, John at Edgeworth. You have a question for Dennis today. What's happening, John? Yeah, g'day, Dennis. Hello, John. I visited you before with my partner, Fleur. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Um, she's since passed away. Sorry um, to hear that, John. I'm I've sorry to hear COVID. that. Yes. Thank you. I've had COVID. Yes. And I've had a hell of a time with it, and I've and my cardiologist has now decided we're having tests all over the place, and I've had x-rays and all sorts. I'll know the results on next Tuesday, but I'm pretty sure it's long code. But the thing of it is, I haven't heard you mention... Ostragalus 8. <laughs> well, you're about to... <laughs> the last couple of weeks, unless I missed it. Now, you but probably I'm... did, because there'd be few programs, John, that I haven't mentioned, that, that yeah. remarkable formulation, which obviously in the past you've used. Well, yeah, well, that's, that's I'm still on it. Good. And I think without that, I would have been a lot worse. I would concur with that. I'm pretty sure of it. Um, I'll take a couple of other um, supplements as well. Yes. Um, but I swear by that. I mean, we've been on it for years. Yeah, well, look, um, it was one of my, uh, probably one of my final uh, great formulations of the whole history of it that I've probably mentioned on this program. And um, it's it lived up to its great reputation. The interesting thing about it was that it was a, a formulation of eight herbs all based on what we would refer to as immunosupportive remedies of the Asian tradition, led by the the, uh, the Chinese herb Astragalus membranaceus. Seven other remedies, however, in the Astragalus eight formula, share similar characteristics to Astragalus. And part of the role of Astragalus um, is also that of what's called a recovery remedy. 
It's not just, if you like, useful to use to take to resist, say, a virus such as the herpes virus. And by the way, I'm unaware of anything that I have ever prescribed that is as useful in addressing the herpes virus uh, as, as astragalus 8. But astragalus 8 is not only used prophylactically, but it is used in Asian medicine and certainly used in my prescribing uh, to address, if you like, some of the consequences of a serious viral episode, regardless of the name of the virus. It's a recovery remedy. Now, this doesn't mean to say that overnight you'll get a cortisone effect. It's a gradual rehabilitation of what we call in my system of medicine the vitality factor. Uh, This is a term that, of course, mainstream medicos uh, raise their eyebrows at. It's a term latent in traditional medicine that there is such a thing as vitality. There is such a thing as the life force. And astragalus and its other members of the team uh, represent a bracket of herbs which, in my opinion, are useful prophylactically to a degree and also very, very useful in promoting a gradual recovery. And I would suggest, regardless of the, 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 where you're at presently, uh, dig in on astragalus, stay with it, it's helped you, and I'd be surprised if it didn't continue to do so, John. G'day, Jennifer at Vasey. You have uh, a bit of a... So, well, wishes to pass on to Dennis today. Yes, I do. Thank you. Good morning, Dennis. Hello, Jennifer. Very nice to hear from you. I just rang to thank you so much because some time ago you were talking on the radio about the benefits of rose hips. Oh, yes. With GoPerp. Yes. I started, I sourced it, I started taking it, and it has worked wonders. So you've got, you've got some help from rose hips for, for your arthritic condition. I sure did, and it means now that I've been able to cut my Panadol in half. Wow. I feel energised. Wow. Uh, um, and as a matter of fact, I feel as though in this current time that my immunity has been boosted because there's been one or two occasions where I've started to get the snuffles and a sore throat, mm. and the next morning it's gone. Well, remember, rose hips has... Uh, a very interesting chemistry, uh, and some of that chemistry obviously is uh, immunosupportive, hence your speedy uh, overcoming of some uh, cough and cold symptoms, but it also has some useful uh, mild anti-inflammatory characteristics, which makes it useful for some levels of joint problems. So you've stumbled on uh, a remedy. Unfortunately, these days, it's not as popular as it was years ago when I started uh, teaching and practicing. It, it seems to be coming back as many of the simpler herbs and natural products are creeping back into the, into the practice and into the health food stores. So that, that doesn't, uh, doesn't surprise me at all that a herb with such a, a useful multifaceted chemistry has some benefit. A lot of vitamin C, obviously, in rose hips. But also it contains some useful uh, complex chemistry, which obviously has a, 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 an effect on inflammatory activity as in arthritis. So I congratulate you, Jennifer. It's a, a very, very, very safe remedy, which is good. And anything that can lessen our dependence upon uh, substances which uh, uh, are a bit demanding over time, some of the more conventional anti-inflammatories, anything that can... Uh, lessen our dependence on those, necessary as they might be at times, is very worthwhile. I congratulate you. 
Well, thank you so much because I did get that information off um, your radio program. Mm. Mm. And um, uh, as a matter of fact, it kicked in within about five days. Well, you must have been ready for it, Jennifer. You must have been very, you must have been ready for it. You're hanging out for it, so to speak. <laughs> okay, okay. All right, best of luck, Jennifer. Glad to see that it's working. And see, Dennis, people are listening to uh, some of the advice you're well, listen, putting it's out there. It's interesting you should say that, Mark, because um, the call today from my dear friend Andrew, uh, who is up at Stanthorpe, actually, I think I said the Atherton, also reminded me of... Other um, colleagues, uh, for instance, Danny, who uh, who listens to the program, he's in the Atherton, uh, and Bob in Melbourne, they, he, he listens to the program. All these were colleagues and participants in the Herbal Renaissance who regularly listen to the program, and those three men in particular are very close to me because uh, they were, I taught them, they've coordinated my seminars, uh, and dear Andrew, who's in the Stanthorpe, uh, was actually the, the senior lecturer at the Rimba campus of the University of Newcastle and steered the three-year herbal therapeutics program through that. So uh, thank you to all the listeners, uh, and I've uh, been prompted today to recognise you all mainly as a result of reflecting on the commencement of it all, the herbal renaissance. Dennis, today having a look at the herbal renaissance. So I'm, I'm trying to get my head around this, Dennis. <laughs> Michelangelo, Da Vinci... You know, uh, Donatello, Dennis Stewart, where do you fit in in that category, mate? Uh, a bit left field from that. A bit, bit, okay, a little bit. They may have been radicals in their day. Oh, look, I think they were. In, in fact, if you study some of the lives of these guys, uh, they were very, very radical, but brilliant minds mm. and brilliant exponents of their craft. Not conventional at their time of their time. Yeah, mm. that's exactly well, look, as we sort of trek through this yep. herbal renaissance, yep. Dennis, you, you sort of hinted a little bit earlier, and I know you've done it over recent weeks as well, about the uh, the strong objection to herbal medicine, and particularly with uh, in some in the academic field and medical practitioners. So the um, floor is yours. Yeah, well, look, I detect, I detect that there is a, a, a still a latent, um, how can you call it, dislike, for traditional medicine, uh, Western herbal medicine in particular, by some in the academic world and quite a few in the mainstream medical world. And that disappoints me. But um, the reality is, the reality is, despite this uh, resistance, in some ways opposition, in fact, um, and in some some cases what I would consider to be slander, uh, despite this, herbal medicine is here, it's being taught in the universities, and what we need to say is that this university, not many people probably understand this or realise it, but on the Arimba campus, that's around the central coast, on the Arimba campus of this university, this it was this university that taught the first bachelor's degree in herbal therapeutics, and that was a, a great, uh, how can you call it, re- reaffirmation of the reality and also the credibility, the credibility of modern herbal medicine. So a lot of the latent resistance or dislike for herbal medicine has been to an extent overridden by the developments that have happened in herbal medicine, the way in which it has come back into the mainstream educational structure, despite the resistance of some academics and the way in which 
it is still resisted by some in the medical profession. This disappoints me, but um, it can't be reversed. It cannot be reversed, um, despite um, any attempt to reverse it. The groundswell would be incredible because we have so many ethnic groups here in Australia now that depend upon their own ethnic systems of medicine. Middle Eastern um, people that have emigrated here, they would use what's called the DIB system of medicine, uh, which is a Middle Eastern system of medicine. And there are practitioners of that, particularly in the Sydney environment. We have a, a vibrant uh, Chinese community who access Chinese medicine and herbal medicine as they've always done. So um, quite apart from Western herbal medicine, we have ethnically based systems of medicine which are being assimilated into the whole traditional medicine structure of Australia. So it can't be resisted. You mentioned a couple of different mm. versions of herbal yeah. medicine. There. Do a lot of them quite often cross over greatly? Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's very interesting. What's called the, the DIB system of medicine um, is uh, practiced by Middle Eastern practitioners. It is, it's what might be called an energetic system of medicine using terms like, oh, this is a hot disease or that's a cold disease or this is a herb that subdues heat. Now, those ideas... Uh, which were part of the Islamic uh, re renaissance and, and the Islamic teaching, uh, keeping in mind that one of the greatest physicians of all time, in fact, is still referred to as the, as the, the father or the chief of physicians, was Avicenna, who was a, um, an Islamic uh, genius and an Islamic uh, great practitioner of the dim system of medicine. But <clears throat> a lot of people don't realise that um, a lot of that system is latent also in the Greek system of medicine that goes back to people like Hippocrates and those early practitioners of a system of medicine that interpreted disease along what might be referred to as symptom lines, uh, referring to diseases in the terms of heat and cold, wet and dryness. The dib system taken up by Islamic culture and expounded brilliantly by Avicenna and others, drew heavily on the Greek knowledge. In fact, some would argue, some would argue that uh, a lot of Western culture, Western philosophy uh, was in fact saved, saved by, uh, by Islam and its taking up of the ideas of the Greeks, which were brought into the teaching of the Dib system of medicine, still practiced uh, in, in Middle Eastern countries. The world is a small place. To a new RFM 103.7, it is 12 to 1. As we continue with Dennis Stewart and Health Naturally this afternoon, 49216216, you have a couple of minutes to uh, join Dennis on the phone if you have a health question uh, today. Dennis, the, uh, health, the health, rather the herbal renaissance that you've mm -hmm. been taking us on a little journey through today, mm. let's go and try and expand in as little time as we have in the next few minutes. Over the 40-odd years mm. that you've been a part of it, mm. um, pick out a couple of highlights. Oh, look, there are many of them. I think the... Let's start with a couple. <laughs> okay. I think one of the highlights of it, of course, was to establish the first serious herbal medicine um, teaching course in Australia, although uh, some would uh, question that. But certainly uh, my commencement of what was called Southern Cross Herbal School uh, was responsible for uh, graduating many, many hundreds of students over many, many years uh, with a course 
that eventually formed the basis of the program that was taught at the University of Newcastle's Arimba campus. That was a highlight, um, the, the, uh, my being accepted there as a conjoint uh, adjunct professor to run that course was a highlight also. Uh, one of the other great highlights was uh, developing a, a lifelong relationship with Professor Elliot, who was the professor of physics at this university, who, when he retired from the university, uh, sought me out and said, I want to study herbal medicine with you. <laughs> and he had purchased a lovely property in Peach Orchard Road, Arimba. And uh, uh, Clifford, he almost became a surrogate father to me. We spent a lot of time together, and he and his dear wife, Nairi, uh, New Zealanders, uh, Nairi could grow anything. And the, uh, New Zealanders have got unique skills in being able to, to grow things. And we grew, seriously, Echinacea purpurea on his property at Arimba Peach Orchard Road. And that, as far as I'm concerned, was the highlight of, of my uh, one of the highlights when the growing of the herb there was so successful that people came from overseas, the, a country new pro, in the United States, sent the representative out to see the way in which we Australians at Cliff's Farm on Beach Orchard Road was uh, was growing the American herb, Echinacea purpurea, very, very successfully. That was a real highlight. But look, one of the great highlights, the ongoing highlight of my uh, long history, which obviously all good things come to an end, but the one of the great highlights ongoingly has been the affirmation of herbal benefit in a modern Western society when my prescribing of, of herbs for many conditions has reversed the prognosis of many people presenting and changed their lives. And uh, recently that, that happened again with a lady in her early 40s who had been given up by the medical establishment as far as being able to conceive um, going on to herbal medicine, she conceived, and um, that has always been a pleasurable component of my uh, treatment options to sometimes reverse the prognosis uh, of the certainties, if you like, of so-called Western medicine, which frequently are not certainties. And uh, herbal medicine frequently, uh, particularly by prescribing, has reversed the expectation of people's lives as a system of medicine taken on board, which has helped them greatly to make their life as a result of this dear lady having a child that she always wanted and many other patients being cured of diseases which had not responded to the medical model. They, uh, or That is the ongoing great thing of, of my professional life, the affirmation of the value of herbal medicine where it is appropriately ap applied. And you heard me say that, Mark, appropriately ap uh, applied. Yeah, that's the thing. That's, that's yeah, probably the, yeah. the thing that sits above yeah, all of absolutely. these conversations. And, absolutely. But again, anybody that's in the, the medical game at all, any type of health, mm. the main thing is to try and reverse an outcome. Someone comes to you because their health is heading yeah. down a particular track. We want to do a 180 and get in the other direction. Absolutely. All right, uh, probably our last call today. Victor G'day, Victoria, at Rayworth. Uh, you have uh, tonight's question for Dennis today. Yes, um, a tinnitus is ringing in the ears, yes. and I've, I've tried everything. I've even been and had my ears professionally looked at and yes. cleaned, and they're still not doing anything for it at all. 
You've had it a long time, Victoria, have you? I've had it for quite a while. Okay. I was 78. Yes. Um, and I don't know if it's you know, part of the ageing... Oh, come on, come on, you're a youngster. You're a youngster, 78. We have to come get on, beyond that, don't we? <laughs> Look, t- tinnitus is, is not an easy condition to treat, medically right. or naturopathically. But yes. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a few options. And, Thank and, you. And one of the first options is to try a long-term usage of the modern uh, German-formulated preparation of the herb ginkgo biloba. Oh, right, now, right. The thing with ginkgo is this. It's not a guarantee, but if you were right. to Google tinnitus and, and ginkgo, you would see right. affirmation from many yes. people that have benefited from it. The clue with the, with the ginkgo is if you expect reversal uh, from this condition, or even a, an attenuation of it, uh, quickly, don't even start. If you are right. prepared, if you are prepared to persevere for quite Almost a few definitely. months, <laughs> you, you you are likely to get a benefit. And I, I have a reference at home, which is a, a coming from the European Commission, which recommends ginkgo as a remedy to address tinnitus, and that has been based on trials that were done to get to that conclusion. Now, the only thing with ginkgo is if there are certain conditions where it may not be appropriate. If you are on blood thinners, it may yeah. not be appropriate, although th- right. this days that's, these days that's being questioned. But, I, um, take, I, I take a Cartier, just yeah, 100 okay. milligram yeah. every day. Yeah. Um, well, but, look, um, I have many patients who are taking a bit of aspirin who yeah. are on um, ginkgo. It's always wise to discuss yes. what you want to do with your general practitioner. But I, I, have, I have never had an instance where there's been a problem taking it uh, in conjunction with a simple over-the-counter uh, aspirin preparation. Talk to your doctor, but it's certainly something I would recommend both on the literature and also based on my experience. All right, best of luck with all of that, Victoria. Dennis, we've run slap-bang out of time today. Oh, we're just getting wound up. We're just the getting started. Re- renaissance has, has, has <laughs> come to an end. <laughs> well, you know, like all good periods of time, maybe there'll be a part uh, two. We'll go through the dark ages oh, next week. We've got some good no. things to talk about next week. <laughs> all right, that's Dennis Stewart and Other Health Naturally. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com. <laughs>